0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Before we get started today, I wanted to share with you a very exciting development. We have received the first message from a loyal listener, and I want to play it for you. Thank you, Cherie, you're number one. Hello, ladies. This is Sheree. I just wanted to let you know that I am very much enjoying your podcast. What I've been doing is when I have some free time in the kitchen, like right now, well, not free time, but I am going to
1: like do some cleaning, do a little cooking, uh, I turn on your podcast. So just wanted to thank you so much and let you know how much I'm enjoying it. Talk to you later. Bye.
2: Welcome to our podcast, Shut the Fuck Up, We're Not Done Talking Yet, with Danielle and Charlotte, would you like to introduce our guest today, please?
0: I would be delighted. Today we have author-writer Samantha Dunn. We call her Sam, and I think most of the world does. Sam is the executive editor at Coast Magazine. She is the author of several books, including the novel, Failing Paris, and a memoir called Not by Accident, Reconstructing a Careless Life. We know Sam from Esalen Writers Camp, where she's the director, and we were hoping to see her this June at the Writers Camp, and we don't know if that's really going to happen. Alas, can you imagine those
1: hot tubs just filled with viruses oh yuck
0: but it's enough that it will kill the virus i don't know
2: m- maybe oh. i was hope so let's hope so you're, you're shaking your <laughs> head danielle's just no shaking. i don't i'm not uh, feeling it the thing is if anyone we if you know we're all yeah. sitting so close together it just no way oh, I know.
1: and then and then there's the there's the uh you know cafeteria yes i don't know man i just i don't know i'm hoping i don't know. But it doesn't.
2: It doesn't look yeah. promising. Still three exactly. months away, so we can be hopeful and watch really? the world unfold. Precisely. My retreat to Italy got canceled on May twenty fourth that I was leading, so that was disappointing. Uh-huh. But June could be better, and it's not in Italy. Esselin is in a way better location than Italy true. at the moment. Right. Um, um, But yeah, but anyway, it's so fun to have you on our podcast. Um, Both of us are big admirers of you. We love taking your classes and I really like your books. So we have so much to talk about. And also we should just maybe do a check-in. I think it's day eight of the California um, shutdown. How y'all doing? Um, As you can see, because we're doing this via Zoom, I have given up entirely on personal hygiene
1: at this point. I'm just abandoning the whole concept uh i might need to go into rehab after this because um you know happy hour is starting earlier and earlier at the house no kid i'm kind of kidding i'm kind of kidding on that one but um the hygiene definitely i'm not joking about
0: yeah no we hear you like at five o'clock on the dot i'm opening up the pinot noir and sometimes a little earlier you know (laughs) Like if I'm on the phone with somebody in the East Coast and it's already late, already wine time there.
1: We, you don't need to encourage me further, Charlotte.
0: Just okay. Sorry, I did that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm okay. How are you guys? I mean, I'm I'm balancing homeschooling, which is a which is a thrill, uh, and trying to run a magazine and trying to teach classes and yeah, it's it is. But we're lucky. We're lucky. We have this technology. We're lucky we're just I'm just trying to concentrate on the lucky rather than the not.
2: lucky you have a job and you're able you're to right. teach from home right so that's for one the of the things I'm also grateful my husband yeah. can still work at home my daughter got laid off as a restaurant server and oh I'm sorry uh, you know yeah. and she's she's going to get unemployment but that's you know when's that happening all that you know so that's right. stressful so stressful for so many thousands
0: yeah. and thousands of workers like that How
2: Are you, Charlotte? I'm
0: good. Well, I'm, you know, it's funny because I'm retired. I've been retired since 2010 is the last time i worked. And you would think I would be totally used to being at home all day. And I sort of am, but I'm still struggling to keep a schedule and keep a routine. It's very odd, you know, like I'm at home and I would be happy to be at home for three days in straight if I didn't have to, but now that I have to stay home, right? It feels I was just like- gonna say,
1: I I think crap. the difference is you're being told you have to,
0: and yeah. that is something psychologically to us, right? Exactly, but I sort of, I swing back and forth between this is great, I'm gonna get so much done versus, you know, total despair, depression, I'm getting nothing done <laughs> because well, I'm so
1: it didn't, it didn't help me when Roseanne Cash uh, tweeted, you know, uh, keep in mind that Shakespeare, during the plague, wrote King Lear uh, when he was quarantined. Like no pressure there, no pressure. Just
2: gonna not writing rock. King anything, Queen anything. Like that's not happening. Not Good happening. For him. Good for him. They have practice though, because they were such a weird. They were in such a weird time, right? The right. Yeah, the plague.
0: you know this is nothing to... next to the plague so we should just be chillax oh,
1: what are we what are we
0: what are we complaining yeah. about to the challenge stay home and watch tv come on um buck up, exactly. buck up. so tell me how old is your son who you're he's uh, actually exactly.
1: come here
0: He's actually doing his history
1: homework across the dining room table. This is what it's here. Duck in.
0: Hello. Hey, hey, hey. there you are. are. Hey, sweetie.
1: He's he's 11, going on 43.
0: (laughs) He's so great.
1: Thank you. I think so. I had
0: a few conversations with him at Esalen. He's really
1: great. uh, He was just, we were really lucky. He starred in Horton Horton, excuse me, he starred as Horton in uh, Seussical, the musical for school. It was his big like time on stage. He's decided he wants to be an actor, which will surprise neither of you because you've already met him. But, um, but yeah, we got in those performances right before the quarantine hit. So, um, so that was very lucky. That's nice. Yeah.
0: That is so true. I know because it would be so heartbreaking. Like I feel really oh. bad when people are missing all the things they're scheduled book readings you know yeah I mean we, we can make our book,
1: book readings up but some of these kids can't make the prom up and they can't make their graduation up and I, I feel really sad about that
2: right yeah. and but and how can, can they really go to college in the fall all that unknown must be very uh, strange for them that's a
1: great point that's a great point I hadn't even thought about that but
0: yeah
2: yeah, you know, I've got a nephew who's
0: graduating from college and he's been, well, he was interviewing for jobs. Now God knows what he's going to be doing when he gets done. And graduation will probably be canceled, you know,
1: the official thing
0: in May. So our our uh, nephew
1: was living with us for about eight months. He just graduated with his MFA in acting from CalArts. Interesting. Uh, looking for a job and then found a job in the restaurant industry, right? Because that's where actors go. And then all of this hits, so
0: yeah. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about how TV shows that would be filming or movies that would be filming, they must all just not be, they must be shut down entirely, right?
1: All of it, all of it. And I, I keep wanting to um, inappropriately hug or kiss the grocery store workers that I see because these people are really the first responders now. I mean, they're just, they're keeping everything going. The the, the people at 7-Eleven who have the gas station and who, uh, at Albertsons and people who are keeping any semblance of normal life going. My, my stepson works at Target and I think, wow, all these people deserve a medal right now, you know? They're
0: truly frontline people. And their lives at risk to keep everything going. It's
2: going, right, exactly. Says they should get hazard pay. Because they're in a supermarket with however many people come in that day. And I thought, oh gosh, poor people, yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, so
0: you're going to be teaching, are you already teaching your classes online now? Yep. What are you doing, Zoom? Yeah, Zoom. It actually works great. I mean, we already,
1: we read ahead of time Mm -hmm. and we have our comments. And so the the, uh, workshop part of it is actually going pretty well. It's always nice, you know, to be in person. You you get the body language, you get the sense of community. You know, we're we're uh, social creatures, but this is close enough, right? I see your pretty face and your pretty face, and I get to see, you know, I get to have that uh, response, right? Once we figure out where to look on the screen, <laughs> you know, we we have we can have that sense of feedback. So it's it's actually it's it's. Heck of a lot better than nothing or heck of a lot better than the te- just the telephone too. So
0: yeah, so true. The whole FaceTime thing and being able to see people's faces, I think, is like really crucial right now. Yes. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. I practically embraced my UPS guy the other day. I ran into him in the driveway. I was going outside to eat my lunch and just walking around aimlessly in the driveway and he pulled up. And it was really, I had to back up because I yeah. wanted to like, give him a big <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's funny. That harkens back to, to, to my old days when I was writing all the time. I mean, for years, right? I, I just wrote from home. And the UPS guy was the highlight of my day. And when that started to happen, when I was like, hey, Charlie, do you want to come in for a cup of coffee? Um, one of my friends
2: suggested I might start teaching
1: just so I could have some human intercession. You know special.
2: Yeah. and don't and don't underestimate or yeah and whatever these relationships my brother was a fedex driver and married his second wife was a cookie baker so she never left the house and they got married yeah I can oh, see that. that's cool yeah those little shorts they, they helped too anyway he did have nice legs very nice <laughs>
0: You know, so I was thinking of you just the other day because I was so exhausted. and I had to lie down and take a nap. And I remember you talking once about how when you were first writing. I me, was writing that by accident. Yeah, not by accident. How you would like write for two hours and be so exhausted. You went to the doctor and said, Something's wrong with me. No.
1: Yeah. This is an honest to God story. I diagnosed myself with narcolepsy. You know, I did because all the symptoms, because really, I mean, I was writing not by accident and I I had written all my life, but I'd never written a memoir before. And and I thought, how hard can it be? I know what happened. So I'd start out every morning, 7 a.m. at my desk. And then by eight o'clock I was dragging myself to bed. It was like someone clobbered me over the head with an anvil. I mean, really. And I'd go to, you know, I'd crawl to bed, I'd sleep for like an hour, sometimes two hours, I'd wake up, I'd maybe work for another hour and then I was just done. And I thought there had to be something clinically wrong with me. And alas, there was nothing,
0: right? Well, it just shows you how emotionally dream writing a memoir can be
1: that's exactly right I mean that's what he said he said are you doing anything stressful and I said are you kidding me I mean I have a what I have a you know a famous agent I have a big fat book contract I live in freaking Malibu there's no are you kidding me I'm living the dream and he said well what is the book about and then I well I got my leg cut off and I and then I do it And I just wanted to pass out talking about what the book was about. And he said, you know, that sounds pretty stressful to me. And it really taught me. I mean, that's also part of my shtick, too, where I say, you know, you you need five things to write a memoir. This is where I understood you need five things to write a memoir. You need a priest, a rabbi, a 12-step meeting, a best friend, and a therapist, you know, because you're... You're not only doing the work of creating story out of your life, but you're doing all of the emotional heavy lifting in the process of recon, of diving into that narrative and reconstructing that narrative. It's a, it's a profound, profound process.
0: Really essential, I think. But very, very. Oh, that makes me feel better about the memoir I've been working on since I don't know. I think 2015. Yeah, I can only work on it in short bouts. Yeah, and then. It's like I gotta take a break and eat some chocolate,
1: yeah, no, well, if it helps, I mean, I've been working on this memo my my big my big opus. I've been working on that honestly, I started my first notes on that are in two two thousand two right? Uh-huh. It's an idea that I've been working on for almost half my life. It feels like, and now I'm getting some some critical mass toward it, but it t- it takes what it takes, you know, to. To get to those stories,
0: yeah. yeah
2: well, I, I think- like
1: to make.
2: I was just gonna say, I like to when I write something and I really reach a crazy point, I'm like running to my therapist. I'm like, you know, I remembered this great thing, and yeah. I'm trying to tell him about it, and I go, that's really effective. In fact, it was in your class a couple of years ago at Esselen Sam that you did the write um, where it all went down, like you're, yeah. and you just said your trailer and your grandma and all that and this her cigarettes and her nails and I did that and oh my god I go frick I forgot all about that it was very yeah. helpful so writing and then the teachers give a good que- cues and etc it's very useful yeah and it all kind
1: of just lines up it's like a domino going down and then all of a sudden it's like everything starts to make sense I'll tell you I had a really um, important insight for me around this work that I've been working on for so long which is essentially about growing up in that trailer park that the three of us, my mother, my grandmother, and I, Oh, hold on. Just one second. Okay. Back. What was I saying? Oh yeah. And so, um, so it's about my grandmother, myself and my mom. Uh, and it, it really, it, it's the, it's, it's the story. It's the primal story, right? It's the growing up story that I've never really uh, told head on before. And m- through this whole pandemic, um, I've been thinking a lot about my grandmother and my grandmother's mother, my great grandmother, died during the uh, Spanish influenza uh, pandemic of 1918. And realizing this now and how quickly people can go, and how, and and what it's like when there's a when there's such illness in the air. And anyway, it's just it's just made me consider a lot of stuff about the history of my family and and where the uh, initial tear happened. Do you know what I mean? That, that cascaded this this uh, family um, dysfunction throughout the next few generations. It's been interesting. So you never know, that's a long way to say, you never know when that thing is gonna happen. It's gonna
0: click something in place for your story. Yes, anyway. it's so true. I keep having weird things happen with my, parents telling me things about their early years married and like I found out my mom and my dad got engaged when they were 16. Now they Ooh. got divorced, which is partly what my book's about. But only now, when I'm in my 60s, do I find out details about their courtship. Yeah. I found out it never dawned on me, they got married and then my dad went to Korea. Oh like wow. I don't know how I missed that, right? But it was like they had like a really shitty beginning with their marriage how weird and I did too you know my my stepfather committed suicide three months before we got married and so my husband and I we too had like a very traumatic beginning Mm. so it's just weird these things appear to you interesting how those repeat
1: and and what they mean the problem of course for memoir is knowing when to cut it off right knowing what's part of this memoir as opposed to what's a part of the next memoir.
0: That is a really good point. Cause I'm kind of struggling with a coming of age memoir and it's kind of like, well really, that never really ended. Cause I really am still like growing up. <laughs> uh,
1: that's the best way to be, right? You're always, if you're always still growing up, that means you're always learning.
0: I hope. Okay. I hope that's what it means. Yeah, for one thing. Yeah. But I think also like um when you have something semi-traumatic happen when you're a kid, you're sort of it's like a bomb goes off and then you're still dealing with the aftermath for years and years.
1: I know I know nothing about what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. No idea what what the hell you're talking about.
0: (laughs) So um, it's writing a memoir, really, really a wonderful, rich experience. And so challenging. It's hard. It is hard. Every time I sit down, I think, why did I do this? I could have just written a novel and had a thinly disguised.
1: Yeah, you know, and and think of all the critical uh, respect that you get from being a memoirist. Oh, just kidding. Um, No, that's a little bit better now. But but really, it's always been the redheaded stepchild of literature, at least among the critics. And who cares because really it's a profound thing to and it's a profound and it's a new thing for women in particular and for uh and for any marginalized uh group to say this is my experience this is the record of my experience um that has never existed before in human history to the degree that it is now think about think about the lives we have witnessed now in literature and i think I think it's a profound and um, powerful thing. And who knows what that's gonna mean for future generations. So yeah, that's my lecture.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say that um, so many before us, you know, um, Cheryl Strayed, Mary Carr before her. What's that delightful gentleman, Toby somebody who wrote the, A yeah. Boy's Life, is that the right name?
0: This Boy's Life. This, boy's, this life. boy's
2: Life. Awesome. So there are, you know, our predecessors are there that opened the door. Danny Shapiro. I don't know if that's kind of more recent. You know, they're killing it. Oh, and there are so crazy many crazy things. Oh, there's so many. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's so many. There's so, so, so many. Um, really, the,
1: you know, critical mass started to happen for memoir as a, as a, uh, uh, as a commercial entity, really, I think, Angela's ashes broke the first barrier for that. That was such a huge m- phenomenal international success and then Mary Carr's Liars Club was also the next kind of big commercial uh success that when i op- when I say open the door, it means that uh New York publishing suddenly wanted wanted to publish a lot of memoirs, which they hadn't wanted to do before. Um, but no, I mean memoir and and personal mm-hmm. narrative has been written. It's always been the domain of the marginal, really. Um, when you think about, uh, you know, when you think about, oh my gosh, I'm blanking right now. Um, but when you think about James Baldwin, and when you think about uh, Henry Miller, or when you think about the, the uh, women, oh my God, why am I blanking? Uh, sorry. This is, this is really important too. Why am I, I'm just blanking. Because um, it's
0: good in the afternoon.
1: It, it is, out. anyway. But but you know the, those personal stories were were really a fundamental part of uh, of literature, and they but they didn't get they were influential to other writers, but they didn't get the commercial success until until about the mid '90s. That that's when it really started. Tobias wolf, of course, you know we mentioned him earlier, but um, that was a that was a uh, that was a critical uh, success, but it wasn't necessarily the massive success of something like Angela's Ashes. See how boring I can be about memoir? I teach it all the time, so I can be so pedantic and boring. Oh, (laughs) I I love it. (laughs) I'm talking about
0: memoir, because it's, um, you know, it is sort of like a new genre that's come along in my lifetime, which is kind of a weird experience. You know, it's like when I was in grad school, there was only poetry and fiction and now there's
1: creative nonfiction. Yeah, it's, right? it's, it's actually not, you know, it's, it's been, a, like I said, it's been around for a while, but it hasn't had the critical or, or you know, academic uh, position maybe that it has now.
0: And you know, I, my theory is that the reason it gets attacked as a genre is because it is dominated by women. And I feel like that the ones that get attacked are usually women writers. You don't see the same attacks on like Tobias Wolf or Frank McCourt. Absolutely Rather, true. Maybe I'm just being oversensitive. But. Yeah,
1: I've, I've written about this too. I mean, I, I actually did a piece about this uh, for, uh, for a local uh, literary magazine called Angel's Flight. And, and yeah, some, some guy for the 50 millionth time at one of these, you know, teacher end of, end of, uh, you know, quarter parties said to me, Oh, you teach memoir. Oh, there are a lot of women in your classes. And I have heard that forever. And the first instinct that I had was to say, no, men take my classes too. And realize how screwed up that was, right. That I had to validate it by saying men also engage in it. But then I realized, you know, um, Screw you. You're basically, what you're saying is our stories don't matter as much. Our stories are, it's less of a, of a, uh, of a, a technical feat to write about your life. It's, it's less engaging. And um, in fact, that's not the case. That's the opposite. It's the the bravest uh, are the truth tellers, in my opinion. I said it better
2: in the essay, but that's why our podcast is called shut the fuck up. We're not done talking yet, but you can just insert other words. We're not done writing yet. Yeah. We're not done growing, broadcasting, in my case, ranting. Cause that's all I do now between politics and pandemic is I rant. Like, why did you leave your house? I'm like out there. I should have like, you know, I don't know. They should give me like a badge and a stick. In your house, You're one of those yeah. in there. Oh, I'm insane. But yeah, we just, we get so marginalized by all the crap because they're like, we're better than you. And oh, our book is more interesting. Not really. Not hey, really.
0: It's, it, what it makes me think of is I make mosaics and most, most people who make mosaics, even like professional mosaic artists, okay, they tend to be women. And so mosaic art, contemporary mosaic art is kind of dismissed. You don't see like giant mosaic hanging pieces in the Museum of Modern Art even though I can tell you there are things that should be there. And, you know, so I feel like it's the same thing. It's just dismissed. It's
1: totally the same thing. Oh my God, I, I had no idea that that was true about that, about that genre in, in visual art.
0: Do you pictures? Do you see somewhere. genre
1: in visual art?
0: Anyway. That is so gorgeous and abstract, and you would be like, oh my God, that must be somewhere in a museum. Right. It's on somebody's wall um who paid for it you know there but still i think it's it's true that it gets dismissed as if it's a craft not a fine art
1: right Crafting. crafting exactly. crafting because women do it yeah women do it when they're not when when they have a break between baking and the laundry they do their little crafts i know, the irony. You know they write their I, little notes and they write in their journal that's and right those totally. women those women. What do you think? You know, I don't know. We can talk about this all day. We can talk about sexism and 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 uh, unfairness all day long. But so what's interesting to me is that we—not uh, that this isn't interesting, terribly interesting, absolutely interesting—but it's in. But what what has been uh, a unique experience for me, having grown up in a house with women, having, having had my life dominated by very powerful women. Having a son now who says, wait, well, why, why, are, why, are, why were women considered uh, less than? Why, why, don't, why does that exist? How did that even start? Mom, how did racism start? How did sexism start? Good question, son. If you find the answer, let me know. <laughs> because it's so odd to him, right? I mean, not yeah. that he, he sees it. It's not that it doesn't exist in this world. He sees it, but he sees it as an oddity. Why are people mean to homosexuals, Mom? Well, can't tell you, son.
2: You know? Fear. That's the answer, just tell him, fear. That's exactly it
0: is it. kind of stupid.
2: Did you hear that? Yeah, he it's it is it is kind of stupid. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben, it's exactly, exactly,
0: yeah. But that's, I mean, that, that's gotta make you feel good that he's yes. asking, that he's asking, like, why? this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it makes me feel really good. It makes he's me feel woke. good.
1: He's, he's woke, <laughs> another word we'd make fun of in our house. Yeah, but he, you know, for a white suburban kid, he's a, he's, he's pretty woke.
2: Wokeness well, Wait suburban. a second, woke as fuck, right? Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry about yeah. no, he's AF, never woke as fuck is is funny. Yeah.
1: Not in my house. Danielle, he's not never heard
0: before, and <laughs> we're, so, we're so sorry, sorry, but <laughs> we're such bad influences. Not. Yeah, he's shocked. Anyway. Hey, well, listen, Would, do you feel like reading anything from your work in progress? I, sure. Um, I, I have not
1: by accident out because I thought you wanted to hear not by accident, but I, I could read work in progress. I will have to ask my son to go into the other room, though. Oh,
0: then. okay.
1: Yeah, because I don't, I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's I hate it. rough. If you would prefer to read what actually, I asked you to read.
1: <laughs> actually, whatever you want me to read, uh, whatever you want me to read, I will. I actually just realized I could read you the beginning of that, one of the beginnings of the piece that doesn't have terrible stuff in it. Okay. Um, I can do that. Would you like me to do that? I would, or would you like you to, me to read, it. not by accident.
0: I would really like to hear the, the current thing that you're Perfect. working on.
1: I will I, do that. I will do that because I love you. Thank
0: you. Um, and we can take a, we'll take a short break and then we'll come okay. back. Yes, yes let's we do that.
1: a break. Okay. Let me Let me figure this out. Let me find it. A little fragment called lot number 78. I remember nothing about packing up to move into lot number 78 and the Enchanted Hills mobile home park, Las Vegas, New Mexico. One day, we are just there. This is after Santa Fe and the bleeding sunsets, after mom's husband and the 20 grand he took her for, after the house where copper rhododendrons grew, after the inheritance from Aunt Ethel O'Brien was gone. Where did it go? After the house out by McAllister Lake with the rusted cars buried in the yard but the alfalfa pasture grown waist high, And then, finally, after the stucco house wedged into the hillside where mice ran in and the cracked septic tank spilled our shame out onto the highway, it had come down to a three-foot chain-link fence. The cutting weave of the fence parceled the land into rectangular plots about the size of a dog run, the low fences reaching not much higher than my knee, as if to say, no true boundaries exist here, lines can always be crossed. An arm's length separated the neighbor's aluminum carport from that chain link border. I could swear there was a tree off to the side, something leafy and deciduous, but the photos that remain show no evidence of one. At the end of the lot sat a steel storage shed, squat and sharp edged, colored brown and tan just like the trailer. A flourish of steel carved atop the gate, oddly decorative, almost fancy. That gate opened onto a concrete path leading through yellow-headed ragweed to a rickety wooden porch and then a screen door in front of a brown wood door cut by a small diamond-shaped window the width of a face. Did the iridescent green astroturf cover the steps of the porch when we moved in, or was that the landlord's idea later? Anyway, $185 a month covered rent and utilities, about half the price of any place we'd ever rented. Can't beat that, Mom kept repeating. Here's Mom driving up in the Ford Esquire station wagon to the last row of the park, swinging the steering wheel left onto the gravel parking pad on the side of the trailer. Our station wagon doubled as a kind of pickup to haul my horse's hay and grain back from the feed store. Alfalfa stalks poked through the back seats, permanently embedded in the blue vinyl dog hair dust and hay swirled in a funnel cloud when anybody rolled down the windows god help you if you had allergies and wanted a ride from us mom holds a cigarette more green label menthol her nails long lacquered and filed on into points always at odds with the evident muscle of her hands and how pleached they are with ropey veins in the passenger's seat, Graham touched her Clairold hair, an automatic gesture done in any uncertain moment. Graham's white shirt collar would have been ironed. Her brown eyes surveyed the long rectangle of a house lingering at the bay window above it, the towing hitch. We can pretend it's a land yacht. There, in the front there, is the bow, she said. It is perhaps a moment of generosity toward my mother, or perhaps criticism would have been too easy and expected. She preferred ambush whenever possible. Or perhaps, perhaps it was that, it is that rare moment, excuse me, perhaps, perhaps it was that rare peek past the velvet curtain to glimpse the movie always running inside her head, the one where she is the heroine in a Sunday matinee, a Jean Tyranny of Irish skin and luminous eye, Waiting for a pirate played by Tyrone Power to rescue her on the high seas. Would you like me to continue or is that good?
0: Oh, I love it. Um, just a few more lines, please. Okay.
1: From my sullen position in the back seat, I fold my arms across the copious and bearing, excuse me. From my sullen position in the back seat, I fold my arms across the copious, embarrassing, embarrassing unexplainable flesh now bursting out of my chest. I'm 14, about to be 15. Graham says she doesn't know where I got that tiny waist and those hips. She says it must be the Dago in me since nobody in in our family is built like that. In her letters to the Pennsylvania relative, she describes me as voluptuous. But at home, she just says, you're built like a brick shithouse, honey. A term which disgusts me and scares me more. The idea that there is dirtiness inside me. Brooke Shields, my beauty idol, who stares out from the countless covers of my 17 magazines, is not built like a brick shit house. nor is anyone who is considered beautiful in 1982, to wit, my friend Cynthia Perea, the cheerleader, is not built thus, nor is Yvette Baca, the most beautiful girl in my high school. I hate the body I'm in, God, do I ever. I hate the way the school bus driver and all the older men in town have started to look at me since these masses of flesh have gathered on my chest and my hips and my thighs. I hate the way guys my own age avert their eyes when they see me or they snicker, hey, chichis, in the hallway between class, like I don't know that means tits in Spanish. I hate everything about everything, with the exception of books classwork not involving any math, and the white Arabian gelding we have managed through everything to hold on to, my Gabriel. On most days, I hate above all the two women sitting in the front seat of the station wagon.
2: That should do Bravo. Oh, ah. I love your book. I love it. Thank oh, you. So
0: vivid. God. I am there.
2: Ah. Thanks. Yeah, I know. Your, your grandma and your mom are quite the handful yeah
1: that's one way to put it they are i mean there's there's you know there's these epic they really are these epic women and i i was the shy you know bumbling uh wallflower compared to the two of them and you know when you have people like that in your life what are you going to do but be a writer <laughs>
0: exactly yeah. you my handed major characters yeah it's like it's right there you
1: know and that it was it was a very it was it was very dramatic sometimes i think i'm making it up and god bless facebook because i have all these like second and third cousins who knew them and they're like no you're not making it up in fact did you ever know uh,
2: <laughs> yeah like your mom no sorry your grandma calling you a a, a brick shit house. like that's that's not good and then it makes a great story but it's not good for you and your little ego way back then that's terrible but then when you remember it in some paper we're like yeah it's like yeah. writing yes, yeah damn <laughs> yeah
1: oh there's
0: so much, yeah so
2: much
0: yeah God. what's your writing like now just what what's it like for you to try to write during this um interregnum or whatever we call it oh i love that word interregnum <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, here I brought you a show and tell. I anticipated this question. I brought you a show and tell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're not your your listeners aren't going to be able to see this, but perhaps you can. This is the extent of what I've been able to write uh, for the last nine days. Okay,
0: so one, two, three, four, five. Okay, about ten lines. Yeah. Okay, that's a line like, a day. Maybe a line a day. Okay. It was. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's well, all I got, babe.
1: I mean, my, my my attention's like a squirrel in winter. It's like, no, 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 You know? <laughs> I, I can't keep my mind on anything. It's terrible. Partly it, yeah. it's my son, you know, like, mom, mom, mom. no no. (laughs) that's you don't need that. that's
2: normal exactly no i don't have kids at home anymore you should see me my house is exploded it's like oh i'm using the dining room table as a desk explosion oh i just tried to set up a mic to give a live class on facebook tomorrow mess kitchen oh i don't know kind of did the dishes kind of not like it's it's bizarre i'm I'm so too. glad to
1: hear you say that because I'm the same way. It's like this house is just but our I'm talking to you from the dining room table and which is the other half of it is Ben's desk because he doesn't have any usable space to work like this in his home in his home. In his in his room. Um yeah, it's it is what it is. But here we are together. Yeah, I'm exactly.
2: grateful I am grateful that we had a chance to have a conversation and learn more about your next book and that's all we can do is just keep trying to be grateful that we're okay. I have a lot of concerns about other people who are not okay. Yeah. And for that I am uh sad and worried. I'm very worried. Yeah. Yeah. Ben said the other
1: day he said, "Mom, very philosophically, this is what I mean about him being 53 or 43." He was like, "Mom, you know, previous generations had the uh had the great depression. So, um, you know, we're not the only ones. I thought Right. Wow. Right. This is our this is our big epic uh, event in our lifetime. I hope well, I hope there's it, not something
0: else. I feel like we already had 9/11 and that but that was strangely in a certain way not as disturbing. I mean, maybe uh, because it was not a global pandemic that everybody is potentially going to get, I don't know. Well, but, yeah,
1: but we're, we're literally all affected in our home, in our, in our communities and 9-11 as horrible as it was, as fear inducing as it was, it was located on the East coast. Yes, it was horrific for our friends in Manhattan and, and for our friends in you know Washington, DC, but it was localized. Um, this is an actual threat that is at your Albertsons, it's at your mailbox, it's everywhere, it's everywhere and nowhere, and that's, I think, what is so amazing
0: and horrible. And it's all connected to being connected, so it's so bizarre that, like, what makes us most people, humans, is being other people, and then that's how we get it, so... I think that is, the, that's really just disturbing at a really basic level.
1: I love the way you said that it's connected to being connected. I, I, I love that. In fact, I think I'll steal that. Thank you, Charlotte. I appreciate I, it.
0: go for it. Yeah, I got, I got a million of those came from, no, <laughs> Yeah, my, my uh, focus has been on cleaning and I'm not, I don't usually clean, so I cannot sit down and focus on anything long enough. i
2: clean. I was just saying that I can't clean. So I still, I found, and I have a vacuum cleaner downstairs and I checked to make sure there was some space in the bag if I do vacuum and then I'm out. And I was like, oh, well, I'm out. So I can like tear like the bits of gook out and then try to vacuum. It has to upstairs. I haven't gotten it yet. There's cat hair everywhere. I have three cats. Oh. I cannot do it every day. I go, I have plenty of time. What am I doing with all my time? No, we have a husky.
1: We have a border collie, we have two cats and it's just it's a never ending fight with the hair around him.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. So that's sure. why they call it furniture.
1: What what Sorry, furniture.
2: sorry, bad joke, sorry.
1: Good. No, I'm I'm looking at, at our couch right now
2: and you're absolutely right.
0: <laughs> well, listen, we don't want to keep you any longer All than right. necessary, but thanks so much for making time for us in well, your day because I know you're just, like super busy.
1: Well, so, thank, you thank you for you. asking. I, I'm sorry I rambled aimlessly, but uh, it was fun to ramble aimlessly with you, Danielle. That's, uh, thank you. That's
2: what it's all about that's great. Yeah, we like to ramble, and you never have to shut up on our show um and we will right. we'll call you back another time for other topics because you're you're a star in our life yeah we look up Literally. to you very much you know you that are.
1: oh thank you my sweeties that's so you need you need bigger stars clearly you need yeah, you're you. it
2: I appreciate it you and steve <laughs> we love steve almond yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right i actually do have to go finish this homework yes this. okay blessings Okay.
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode.
2: You can get more information about it on facebook.com backslash Sharla Danielle podcast.